Away we go. Thank you to the homie Jake Nager. Jake Nager in a moment of truth for throwing down our background music. The following episode of Talking Story. I would be your host, Chris Cantori, with Taylor Knox, pro surfer and local legend. Such an awesome time sitting down with Taylor. This is part one of many future sit-downs, I have a feeling. But uh, this episode brought to us by Marchin Ash, San Diego's premier dispensary, offering an unparalleled shopping experience in-store and online with delivery service everywhere. Yes, get it delivered everywhere in San Diego. Marchin Ash has something for everyone. They've got the widest selection of CBD products, incredible, including bath bombs and pet products. They even have THC-infused wine and beer, non-alcoholic beers. Located in Mission Valley at 2835 Camino del Rio South and online at marchinash.com. Don't forget to subscribe to Talking Story up on the Apple Podcasts and check us out on you, you, yewonline.com. Taylor Knox, what a treat. What's going on, Chris? It is such a pleasure to hang out and sit down with you. I've uh, admired you from afar, and now we're we're next to each other. Well, yeah, I've never really been that far. I've always been in Carlsbad. <laughs> well, you're, you're from uh, Thousand Oaks originally, right? Well, I was born there, yeah. I lived there until I was about six. Okay. And uh, then, yeah, we got out of there, ended up living in Oxnard Shores for a few years, and Port Wainimi for about a year and a half. And then in 82, yeah, we moved down here, and I haven't left. Yeah, man. It's it's paradise, you know? I love it so much. There, there's not much you can say other than it's just the greatest place on earth, right? Yeah, San Diego, man. People spend thousands of dollars to get here, and we live here. We're pretty fortunate. Yeah, and I say just admired you from afar, because I remember first coming to San Diego, and I was always the guy, and you know this guy, the person on the peripheral who follows the surf industry put you guys on pedestals, could never compete on such a level. You know, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a termo longboarder, for Christ's sake. <laughs> hey, there's nothing wrong with that. But, I ride longboards. And I just, you know, for years just admired so much your trajectory. And I kind of wanted to start just talking about your career. When did you really start surfing professionally and realizing that you had something that was different than anything my peers had. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'm not sure that I, I knew that I had anything other than just basic hard work. Like I never, I never was the most talented surfer, even in you know just Carlsbad. It was there was a long time where there was a couple guys in front of me, and there was some good surfers down south and just all over. Surfing in the '80s was just booming, right? So right. When I was a kid, and it was just all growing so fast and it was cool to be a pro surfer then and um i mean it still is now but it was really gaining some traction and um yeah i i my whole th- my whole basis of my career is built on hard work yeah. i was never the most talented but my mom and dad are hard workers and you know i watched that growing up and what'd your um, parents do construction yeah okay. my Says mom and dad yeah <laughs> says it all right there <laughs> yes <laughs> you know from the day they started till you know they're still doing it and did you have siblings as well? So was there like competitiveness in the house too? Or were you always just competing against yourself? It was always against myself. I, I do have two brothers, uh, but we share the same dad, different mom. Okay. And so they grew up, you know, with their mom. And uh, I grew up down here. So they were up in Ojai and stuff. So I got to see him. I could see him more now than I did when I was a kid. You know, it was like a split family thing. Sure. And there was distance there. Yeah. 
and you started surfing, I would imagine, obviously at a young age, but uh, what was it initially that attracted you to it? Just because it was a booming thing and you saw that it was a viable thing? No, like when I started learning about the ocean, it was just, it was more about body surfing and boogie boarding and like, it was just like the ocean was the fun thing. You know, there wasn't a, it wasn't the vehicle that was fun. And um, it wasn't until, you know, I got older that I I started skating a lot in like sixth and seventh grade. I was skating more than I was surfing. Okay. And uh, then I moved down here and the water was so warm and it was blue and the waves were fun a lot. And, um, you know, bright colors and wetsuits and stuff were totally like (laughs) (laughs) accepted down here where it wasn't up there. So, and there was a big contest scene down here. So for me, it was just, I didn't even know this is existed. When I got down here, I, I kind of backed off more on the skating. Didn't you get hurt skating too? Like you had a bad injury, didn't you at some point? Yeah. When I was 15, I had a major, um, a major fusion, three vertebrae in my lower back were fused. Oh yeah. What? (laughs) Yeah. Um, it wasn't, I thought it was a skateboard accident because I did fall on my ass really hard once right. in, a, in a drainage ditch. <laughs> and then it got worse, so I thought it was from that. But no, then years later, my doctor told me that um, I was just born with spondylosthesis. Okay. And, and yeah, that's what it was called. I don't even know what and that is. It was is. basically like your vertebrae go down in a line, and mine was pulled all the way out. Okay. So it was like cutting my sciatic nerve. Holy shit. That was really, it was painful. So it was pressing on the sciatic nerve? Yeah, I was shooting pain down my left leg. That's something I just experienced for the first time two years ago. It's the worst pain I've ever experienced in my life. <laughs> worst pain I've ever experienced. I know. It'll stop you in your tracks. It's a mind F. Literally, if it, physical therapy saved my life. Because I thought I was good. Did you have to go get surgery or anything or no? Yeah, I had... Um Four, so I still have three fused vertebrae, my L5, my L4, and my L3. I've got nine pieces of metal in there. There's two screws about the size of your fingers that go through like a metal bar. Now, did you have this surgery when you were a teenager yeah. or this is later in yeah, life? Yeah, this is in 1986. Holy shit. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. I'm sure my surgeon's probably not around anymore because he his this name is was, all time he has his all time yeah you've got all time parts in there man right yeah so it was down in san diego and this guy name was dr stephen pie and he said hey man you're gonna be paralyzed from the waist down pretty soon if we gotta schedule this emergency surgery and i was just like what are you talking about oh my god i just came in here for you to like pop this bone back in place and i'm be on my way yeah so it was holy a, sh- this is nuts yeah so it was a major that's and the That's, recovery is like like thirty to sixty days, right? Just you can't no, even move. Nine months. Oh, nine months! You're yeah. on your back and can't move. Well, I was in a body cast from my knees to my chest, so and I'd sleep with it twenty four hours a day. And this is while you're in high school. And while I'm in high school, yeah, it didn't. It wasn't really super good for dating. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I would imagine it becomes a little restrictive. Yeah. So where were you going? There was a hole down there, but I mean, you know. Um, <laughs> True. Where were you going to high school? Uh, I was Carlsbad High. Okay, you're at Carlsbad High. So you're sidelined from this injury. And were you surfing at this time as well? Like, was it something that you were doing in tandem with skateboarding? Well, it was funny. It was like I just started kind of getting good at the competition thing right when that happened. Like, the couple years before, the first couple years for me were real rough. I mean, I think I I advanced out of one heat in 10 contests. And my parents were just like... Are you sure this, this is, is for you? you do? <laughs> yeah. And I was like, no, this is what I want to do. And and that year, I was like, I made the nationals, which was a, a cutoff at like the top sixteen or something. Right. And I was like, so pumped. And then the doctor's like, no, you can't surf it. And I'm like, 
it's in a month. Oh. Yeah, you know, like, no, we can't wait. And I was like, fuck, you know. <laughs> Nightmare. Yeah. So you get through the recovery nine months later, and you're like, I'm not going back to skateboarding, right? At that point, you're like, forget it. Surfing's my bit. Yeah, I just, and, you know, everybody's kind of wrote me off. Like, they didn't see me for six months, you know. It was like, he was just gone. I couldn't go to school because I couldn't sit in a chair, a normal Damn, chair. Yeah, that screws so. with your head. So, uh, yeah, it was just like, well... Everyone, the doctor told me I'd never surf again, and um, you know, I was. That's when I got really depressed. Was during that time. Okay. You know, that's when I became my most depressed. I mean, suicidal thoughts were definitely at that age. Yeah. I think back to the '80s, and I didn't even know what suicide was. I didn't even really know what depression was. And to think you're in that place is friggin' that's that's gnarly. It was, yeah, it was tough, you know, because there's not really no one my, was talking about it then. Yeah, the fact that also like I don't think people realized how much surfing meant to me. Like, if I couldn't surf, I didn't want to be alive. It, and now I look back at at it, that thought process now, and I'm like, God, that was stupid. Right? You know, like, there's a lot more to live for than that. Of course, but no, at that age, I get that, man. You know, it you was don't know. it was everything to you me. You don't have perspective and the wisdom that you have now. So when you say it was everything to you, what was it about the surfing at that point in your life? Was it the competitiveness? Or was there a soul aspect and something you just got out of it, too, just the act of surfing? Well, just the, you know, I guess you would look at it and say lifestyle, right? You look at, I'm looking at magazines and I'm looking at Tom Kern and Mark yeah. Richards and all these guys and they're traveling the world and they're getting to surf these waves. The competition side, yeah, I did want to do good. There were some years where I was really fired up on the competition side, but then it kind of morphed back at the end of my career more into why I started surfing, just because I love surfing. Like, my whole goal was to be in the ocean as much as possible in my life. Yeah. Like in, in my head, the only way that I could do that was to be a pro surfer. That would get me in the ocean more <laughs> than anything, right? Sure. So that's, I mean, that was the love of the ocean that started for me when I, you know, when I first started just entering into it. It was like, wow, this is such a powerful, amazing, scary but it really gets my heart going, yeah. and I dig it. Yeah. <laughs> I want the adrenaline more rush, and you're just, you're hooked. Yeah, you're yeah. locked you're in. You're hooked, you know. It's in your veins. It's uh, you. It runs out of your nose when you're at your girlfriend's house having dinner. You sure. Know, because, yeah, that kind of thing. Your girlfriend wants to take a trip, and all you want to do is go to surf destinations. Yeah, she wants to go You don't you want know, to go to New York. And you're like, nope. 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 We're going south. <laughs> We're going to Mex. So as it relates to you, you know, you're 15, 16, you're 15 years old, and you have this traumatic Injury, surgery, you're in this depressive state, suicidal thoughts. How do you push out of that? Uh, it was really a, f a good friend of mine, and he was, a, he was one of my mentors growing up, too, was David Barr, and he gave me a book. Um, it was basically the book was kind of just positive thinking, you know, and, and back then, so long ago, I never even thought of this as being a way to look at things. Okay. And so I read this book. I think it was called The Psychology of Winning, by Dr. Dennis Waitley. I mean, okay. it's really old. And yeah, I've heard of it. Yeah, and it's it's one of those self-help books or what something like that, you know. But he handed it to me one day in the garage, and I just figured out, I just was like, you know what? All odds are against me right now. So my mission was kind of like I'm out to give my doctor the middle finger and everyone else who said I couldn't do it. Yeah. You know, because there were kids at school, like, that would tell me, like, you know, it's never going to happen. It's you're a, done. Your silly dream, you know, like, you, you just go to college, you know. And I was, it would kind of create this 
nice little fire inside me. Of course, <laughs> man. You want to rebel against the system and the man and show everybody. Right. <laughs> give everybody the finger. What about your parents? Were they behind you at this point? Or was it, I'm going to show dad too? Well, I mean, they were just listening to the doctors, right? I mean, yeah. that's all parents do. They're probably thinking the doctor knows more than my son. Sure. But it just human will is yeah. so strong. It can work against you really, really badly, or it can work for you really, really greatly. And I completely agree with that. It was like working against me, and then one day I decided that I was just going to change my attitude, and I was just going to try to heal myself. And uh, even back then, you know, I was mentally, I would visualize my bones mending together. It sounded crazy. Not even, to me. I, I mean, <laughs> I get it. Though. I think I, I even, you know, I read it somewhere like just visualize it happening and like, and I was like, and I would do that. I would. I used to visualize. visualize I went through a phase. I mean, I'm all fat now, but <laughs> I You're went. You're not fat. I, I, I went through a phase though where I dropped a ton of weight, and I used to visualize myself losing weight. I would like drink water and visualize the water going through my body and burning calories and burning fat off my body. Is it that easy? I want some water. I don't know. I'm thirsty. I don't know. I don't think it's that easy because I would be doing it right now. And do you need a glass of water? I can go get my buddy to get you something here. Uh, do you need some water? No, you no. Okay. I just say, I, <laughs> but I, I get the visualization part and how you can manifest what – because I read something somewhere that you really attribute you, your success to 80% mental and 20% physical. Is that – didn't you say something like yeah, that? Yeah, then that's true. You know, now that I'm older and looking – you know, I have hindsight – I look back and I think, God, you know, it, it was it was all upstairs, you know, and I and a lot of times I would train harder to get a result when I should have been backing off on training. Like mm. it's just a, it was the wrong way to go about getting the result. You yeah. know, there's a certain t- you need to have balance, and I I didn't spend enough time looking within. I spent too much time looking without. Of course. So um, after years of banging my head against the wall and becoming really competitively frustrated in my career, um, I got to a point where I was like, you know what, if this whole world title thing doesn't happen, you know, it doesn't happen. Yeah. You know, I just, I got to go out and have fun and enjoy myself and be inspired to, to go to that feeling of when I started surfing when I was a kid, which was just the pure love of riding waves. Yeah. You know, that's it. And that's the only reason I became a pro surfer was it meant I could ride more waves. Right. <laughs> right. Like, I wanted to ride waves. And get paid for it. Yeah, and that's, that's nice, too. Cool. And that's pretty cool, get yeah. Get paid for you know, doing something you love. And, you know, that was my friends, uh, you know, who went on to be professional musicians and stuff like that. Or even within the, uh, even with what I do. I, I had dreams and visualized myself once being on a radio station and being a broadcaster. And here we are. Dude, I, you don't know. I listened to your voice for so many years. What? You know? Yeah. I, what? You were like, I, I knew you before you, long before you knew me. Shut man. up. Come on. I was listening to all the stations that's a that trip. you were working for no, back I'm, then. I'm flattered and humbled by <laughs> 91X, you know, all yes, of it. Yeah, so it was all happening. Eleven years, and yep. you were obviously here in town, and I was wishing I could be you or Tony Hawk <laughs> or Rob Machado, all you guys up in North County. Oh. But it's, uh, it's crazy, though, because I know the world is so different, and it's something that I honestly can't relate to. So when did you officially go, you push through this trauma, and you go pro at what age? Uh, so 1990, 1990, that's when I turned pro. Okay. So you're like 20, 19, 20, 21 years old. I'm about 20, I think. Okay. No, it's 19, 19. And And, and how did you get to that point? Like what, 
what made you get that you know title that you're now Taylor Knox, a pro surfer? Well, back then, if you accepted money, you were pro. It was just that simple in surfing. It was like if you accepted it, and a lot of a couple of kids accepted money or too early, and they had to turn pro when they didn't really want to, mm. you know, but they just took the money. Mm. So, I think now it's things are way looser, and there's tons of kids getting paid probably in, in different ways. Yeah, in different ways and whatever, Instagram which is great, and, you yeah. know. Um, but for you to get on that circuit and be, you know, on the upper echelon. Yeah, I had a nice amateur career that put me on the national team. And every two years they had this world amateur titles, which I think now is the ISA games. And if you went there and did well, you usually got a better contract. So right. I was going to turn pro right after high school. And they said, um, I went to my sponsor, OP. And yeah. I, yeah. And, uh, they said, well, we'll give you 500 bucks a month right now. And I was like, if you wait for the world amateur titles and you do well, then you might get more. So I had to wait a whole year. And, you know, I wasn't in school. And that was, I was the just carrot, surfing. 500 bucks yeah, a month. Yeah, like, it was just like, wow, you know, like I have to wait this whole year. And if it goes badly, then I've waited a whole year for nothing. nothing. You know? <laughs> so, or I can get $500 yeah. a so, month. <laughs> so I ended up doing being the highest American. And... I got a bump up to 1200 a month, and it was just like, man, I was living large. Damn. Yeah, I was living Hell large. Hell yeah. So, and that started us, we used to have a tour, a strong national tour here called the Bud Tour. Yeah, I remember that. You remember that? Yeah. So, got on that tour and did well there, and um, ended up qualifying for the World Tour in 92. How did you feel about yourself at that time? It's got, you, you got to feel like you're bigger than life at that point in your life, right? You're in your early 20s, World Tour, the whole bit. It was. It was a, you know, we kind of grew up. I was, I came up through the ranks, right, with Rob and Kelly and Shane Dorian, Ross Williams and sure. Pat O'Connell and all those guys. So it was a massive group that was coming up and graduating into the big leagues. Yeah. And um, we wanted to change things up a little bit, you know, and we, and we weren't partiers, you know, we, we were pretty straight laced and totally focused on bringing a new style of surfing. And um, so it was cool, and but it kept you on your toes. Like, you never. I felt like there were ten years where I'd never sat down and actually breathed really? and just rested. You, you know, were just like, in it. It was you're in it. You're thinking about it. You're training for it. You're, you know, every second of every day, you're just trying to get better. And at that point, are you? And I'll ask you the same question I asked earlier. Are you competing against yourself, or now that you're on this national, international stage, are you really focused in competing against these other guys? More so, I was, it was more so because of like, we came up as a group and then Taylor Steele started filming us. And so we were hanging out as a group quite a bit. And it was mainly just within our, ourselves, our friends, yeah. you know, it was, which was weird. You know, I wasn't even thinking about like guys from other countries on the tour. Like it, right. it was just who's going to get the better video part and who's going to get the better result, you know? Right. And it was like, we were always battling, but it, it made it really fun and it made us get a lot better. Of course, because you're obviously testing each other and pushing each other to the limits, but you're all homies at the end of the day, probably laughing at the outside world too, right? <laughs> well, we were, yeah, I mean, we were to laughing. To a degree. To a degree. I, I mean, I think we started feeling like, okay, this group is starting to make a presence. They're starting to be known pretty right. good throughout the world. So it, that part was cool. But then there was, there was so much inner competition you know, yeah. between us too. 
I was reading somewhere that in the middle of your career, because you've had such a renowned long surf career, I mean, the length of your professional surf career is amazing, but there was a point in the middle, though, where you did incorporate meditation, correct? Yeah, yeah, I was, um, it was probably early 2000, maybe it was 2000. Um, I think this year is my, no, it was 1999, because this year is my 20th year doing it. And, okay. um yeah, and that's kind of cool. I just remember that. Um, I was in a point in my life where I just got a new sponsor. I was on tour. Everything was great. I had um, a baby boy and a baby girl. I just bought a new house, big, nice house. I was kind of living on top of the world if you were looking at my life from an outsider's point of view. Yeah, from my vantage. Right. So, But inside, I was really unhappy. And, um, you know, I, I just couldn't figure it out. My friend was Brad Gerlach, actually. He oh, actually wow. recommended me to go see um, and check out who, what Ron Rathbun teaches. And I was like, no, no. And I was totally against New Age stuff. I was not into the, even though I did yoga a lot, I wasn't into the whole yogi scene. And I, I just didn't really, I thought that stuff was kind of like hokey pokey. Sure. And, and after a while, I was like, okay, I'm, I'm really unhappy and I can't figure this out, you know, obviously. And so I was like, fine. After a year, I go, fine, I'll go. I'll go check it out. I was expecting to walk up there, see this guy in a red robe, and sing <laughs> cross, you know, and I thought, don't tell me it's a drum circle or something <laughs> like that. And just, I walk in, just a normal looking guy, and, um, you know, he sat me down, he taught me the practice. It took 10 minutes. There was no chanting, there was no, there was, there was, it was quiet. Um, what wasn't quiet, was my brain. Yeah, what's going on I closed your my ears. eyes and I did the meditation. And you're thinking about those kids, your career. The hamster on the wheel, yep. you know, all that is going on. I'm like, wow, like shutting down thoughts in your in your brain are, is extremely hard. Yeah. I, it's, I thought it was easy. And so I was like, oh, this is, this, this guy's normal. I don't have to change. I don't have to become a vegan. Nothing, nothing wrong with vegans. But, and, and you know what I mean? I didn't have to change the person that I've always been. Right. I just wanted to be a pure me. You had to make a little adjustment, and that adjustment included these exercises you were doing, right? Well, yeah, it was basically you just, you know, you're, you're, you're kind of like, if you imagine, it's hard to, you know, over the radio, but if you imagine like a horizontal plane of energy, it's just kind of like slowly going down through the two hemispheres of your brain till you get to about eye level. You'll stay there for a couple minutes. And then after that, You'll want to drop down into what will feel like, you know, your chest area or your heart um, or what we would call your mind. Your, there's your brain and there's your mind. And so to give you an example of what the difference is, let's say you get cut off in traffic by some jerk, right? You know, yep. he cuts you off and you're like, God, that was, you're mad. You kind of, you scream the F word at him in the car. And then let's take an example of you not seeing a really good friend for a long time. And then you see him somewhere and you're like, you're so stoked. You know, that feeling wells up from within. Yep. They're coming from two different places, right? So the one that you, when you saw your friend, that good feeling, when you see him and you give him a hug, that comes, that's coming from down here up. And the other one, the F you in the car thing is coming from up in here with wow, frustration. from your head down. Right. So And poisoning your insides from the head down versus letting this joy rise from the inside up into your head. And just recognizing that there are two different um, areas that stuff comes from. It, it can lead you in different ways, right? I agree with so, that. Um, so it's, this meditation is about being more connected to your heart. Your heart state or versus your, or your mind, i.e. Yeah. mind for us. And, 
And, and because when you make decisions from your heart and you, through life, you're going to make tough decisions. That's just being part of being human. There's, you're going to have sadness. You're going to have tough decisions. But I think the one thing you might have control, 100% control over is regrets. Because when you make a decision from your heart, it may be a tough decision, but it's never a regret down the road. Mm, you're so right. I'm putting it through so many of my own personal filters right now, and you're right. And so many times when you answer from that ego state, it just sends you right down that terrible friggin' path. Or you react to someone else. Or you're you know, just you defensive. S- something blurts out, and then you're like, ah, oh, fuck, I wish Why I wouldn't have said say that. that. You know what I mean? Yep. And now you're like, oh, I feel bad for saying that. I should yep. like call and, and you apologize. Start, and then you start you know? beating yourself up. Hey, I still do that today, man. I'm and still learning that. I'm still learning that. Yeah, but I mean, nobody's perfect. As it relates to this, uh, you adopting this, how did this play a role into your professional career at, at this point? Did it help ease the anxiety, ease the things that you were feeling at that time? It was. It was easing a lot of, a lot of things inside for me. It's like I had to make a couple of tough decisions I realized at some point and um, I ended up moving on from the relationship that I was in Mm. which was a little toxic and I got into it like I wouldn't be I wouldn't have the great marriage I have now if I didn't you know if you didn't practice I would probably be continually hooking up with people that I wouldn't work out with yeah you know what I mean I get it (laughs) and then so I had to I had to just look inside clear out some stuff inside myself and just More of become, a mindfulness approach. Yeah, just kind of like, just sit back and let life come to you, and not be so um, aggressive to go and get it. Yeah, you know, it's not a lot. And patience. I wouldn't say patience was a strong point in my twenties. <laughs> and isn't it ironic, just for so many surfers, where I've met professional surfers before that have the word patience tattooed on their wrists, <laughs> and you would think, given you know, you're surfing, you would have patience. But I'm not sure it's a surfer thing, but. It, it's a it, human thing. When you have impatience and then you enter the water, and let's say you enter the water and it's really long lulls or yeah. it's really crowded, it tends to kind of like push that button a little harder. Yeah. It gets people a little bit more flustered. Truth. Yeah. And you don't want to be in that state. That's not a healthy state. I mean, it's not soulful surfing, you know, and I'm, I'm still, it still happens to me, but I'm so much less than it ever did. Uh, that's awesome. Know, so well, that's part of the growth. Now, when it comes to your retirement, how is that for you? Even knowing you and you're still so active and you're surfing at the top of your game today, you know, is it hard to retire when you do want to push through and keep keep competing? Um, I I know I was done with the competition. Thing. You were. I okay. really was. Yeah. I don't I don't really need to put a jersey on again. Yeah. You know, I will for special events and of stuff course. that are fun. Um, but yeah, I just like. I think soul surfing now a little bit, you know, I like going on trips and making little video edits. That's where I um, get a lot of inspiration to try to improve my surfing. It's just, I'm trying to improve at 48 to keep my surfing looking relevant with yeah. all these young guys that are so amazing and doing uh, all the crazy, crazy stuff. airs. And, you know, it's inspiring, you know, yeah. it keeps me going. It gets me stoked. You still got that hard turn on them. Though, right? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, I don't know, but I still, I still enjoy going out and doing it. You of know what course. I mean? And I still going out and, and seeing what um, my, me and my body can do because it's, you know, it's a different kind of body than most people have. And, yeah. and I'm, I'm really trying to help people out that have, you know, back injury. I get hit up a lot on Instagram. What do you do with low backs and how do you, how do you fix yourself? And uh, I love the health world where I'm like this masseuse, go try them. Or, you know, I've 
great chiropractor. I have an amazing acupuncturist down in off Claremont Boulevard that I've been seeing for 25 years. It's like, awesome. It's just good to have, like, you look at your body like a car and you need a pit crew. Yep. You know what I mean? You just, that's how I see the body. It's just like the pit crew is for my body is here, but then, like, for the for my insides, that I have to take care of. No question. You know. So uh, tell me about your affiliation. You were involved in, so, in, the, uh, in the whole St. Archer thing, right? Yeah, yeah, we, we started that. Um, and that was, was a good beginning. thing for you, right, at that particular point in your life, from what I understand, because I know Josh, he, uh, he was in here, I interviewed him once, and he just mentioned what a profound impact that had on so many people, and he mentioned you as well in that y- sentence. Yeah, it was. It was like, it was amazing, because we were getting in, we were all getting into something that was, a world that we haven't entered before, the right? The beer world. Yeah, the beer world. And even though we drink beer and we like beer, like making a beer and, um, you know, my only thing, I saw the marketing, I saw the logo, and I just thought, this is brilliant, you know, and the guys involved, the incredible pro sn- skaters and snowboarders and surfers. And it's just like, hey, guys, the beer world is snobby. Like, our beer has to be good. It's sure. Just ha- I don't want to be like just a marketing beer, you of know? Of course. Like, and, and that was uh, that was one thing I was like all on board from because they were thinking the same thing like let's let's be real when we talk to other beer people you know let's <laughs> and you set a precedent with that though I mean I'm wearing right now a Black Plague Brewery T-shirt you know that's a bunch of skate rats you know, yeah. start a brewery and it just seems like that you guys really did you did something cool with that whole movement behind St. Archer here in town yeah I just don't think anyone in the I guess in our industry ever thought this like okay like. Can surfers we, move beer? Can, can we do this? Like, <laughs> yeah, you know right. what I mean? Like, and it's not just surfers, of course. There was, like I said, the snowboarders. There was photographers. There was, it was just a bunch of really talented, creative people yeah. that weren't in, let's say, a normal s- sport like basketball, football, and baseball. Of course, you know. So, and now we've started a new one. So, yeah. What's the new one? Is Harlan? It the, say it again. Harlan. Harland. Yeah. And what's the story with Harland? Well, we've, uh, we're opening up tasting rooms in Scripps Ranch. Uh, where, that's where our brewery is. And is it the same crew? Is it Josh? It's and- Josh. Um, not exactly the same crew, but we like our, one of the main brewers at St. Archer now is with us, came with us. And then um, we're opening another tasting room in Winpaseo and Del Mar, the new amazing. complex. When's it's, this happening? I'm just hearing about this it, for the first it's time. It's happening now. Like, like I, right now. Like we'll, we're, we have like, I think next week we'll be open in Win Paseo. Uh, Scripps Ranch is almost done. And in a couple of weeks we'll, we'll be at the Marriott Marquis. Oh my Marquis. gosh, congratulations. Well, yeah, thanks. I mean, I'm, I'm just part of it, a small part of it. But, but still, who cares, yeah. <laughs> man? That's freaking awesome. Yeah, it's really cool because it's the same crew, basically. And it just, there's great chemistry there. That's awesome, man. It's cool to be around people that care so much about their product. And when it comes to uh, what you're doing today, obviously, you know, you've mentioned you're still traveling the world, surfing, making videos, pushing yourself to different levels. How do you stay in such top form? Because I watch your Insta and I'm like, damn, dude, he is so on it. (laughs) I'm such a lazy ass eating my California burrito and playing Fortnite with my kid. Hey, man, I'm lazy every time the Padres play because I'm on that couch watching them. You're a Padres guy, too? (laughs) Oh, dude, I'm a huge Padre guy. Are you kidding me? Yes. All San Diego, man. All right. I love that. All right. I want to talk Padres and just we'll end on the Padres. But first, tell me about your just your your uh, your diet and what you do on a daily basis um 
I mean, basic. I kind of have a routine where I wake up and I'll grab like the first thing I do in the morning is grab these uh, CBD greens made by Nanocraft. They're out of actually Pacific Beach. Okay. And so it's it's got a, like the green mix with the CBD in, and I start my I start that with my day with that, and then after about twenty minutes, I'll go into a coffee or. And where do you get the benefits from the CBD for inflammation? Inflammation. Yeah. Yeah. Being a professional athlete. And I just think that plant is pretty magical. I mean, no I, question. I, it's America finally woke up, you know, and they found, you know, oh, yeah, we like this plant. We see how much money we can make. It's always yeah. about the money. Oh, right? oh, okay, yeah, let's yeah. do this. Let's, There's let's, money involved. Oh, yeah, well, okay, yeah. we love it. Well, we'll tax them 35% per transaction. <laughs> that seems fair. Uh, but I'm just glad the movement's happening. You Agreed. Know, it's, it's the CBD thing is, is a great, it's a great movement. It's been helping a lot of people. And um, so I start my day with that. And I'll have like oatmeal or maybe a turmeric milk, uh, or it's called golden milk. It's okay. like turmeric tea kind of um, with black pepper and stuff. I don't eat a lot before I surf because I don't like a, maybe just a small little protein bar or something. And then after surf, I'll, I try to eat like a meal would be like sweet potatoes, quinoa, maybe some chicken or steak, salad. Just try to eat real food, right. you know, just try to eat real food and less keep processed the carbs stuff. down obviously i don't think about carbs you know no. i don't even think about it i just realized um it's more you about can be, the processing for you and just eating clean yeah it really like what works for my wife doesn't work for me yeah. so it's like you really got to know your body you know and like for me i've noticed that like i'm a protein type of person my body does well on it yeah and it doesn't do well when i don't have it <laughs> so but she you know my wife doesn't eat meat you know she, she eats fish but she doesn't eat but well, I couldn't live like that because every once in a while I need that. You yeah, know? and how old? I know you mentioned obviously being remarried. How old's your youngest now? Two. Two. Yeah, I'm crazy. Holy shit! Yeah. So I know. you have kids in your twenty, their twenties, out on their own, <laughs> yeah. and then you've got a two-year-old. So you're starting all over again, which makes more sense why you have to stay in top prime form. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I gotta Holy keep up shit. with the new Hell one. Hell yeah, yeah, man! Yeah. I get that. Yeah, she's she's fun and she doesn't sit still. So yeah, I've got to got a lot I, on your plate. I can't get fat yet. No way. No way. <laughs> I need to get back in Taylor Knox shape. Talk to me about the Padres. Let's end here. The Padres, oh. how you feeling? Obviously excited about Tatis and Machado. It's like we've got a team again, right? Oh, my God. I haven't been this excited. I'm going to say since and then we had some playoff years but like 98 was so special 98 was beautiful i mean it was just like wow nothing like like it we actually have superstar talent now i know i mean tatis is a superstar i haven't seen a pod and no disrespect to any padre guy and manny is the man i mean he is playing spectacular agreed Batiste is something new. This is something different. Dude, he is just next level. Just, I mean, just as far as all of Major League Baseball is concerned. It's not a San Diego thing. It's an MLB thing with this guy. Oh, yeah. I think he's the best short, young shortstop in the game. Do you think we're going to keep him, though, or do you think we're going to pull a Padres and get rid of him? <laughs> we better not because, <laughs> we can't, man, right? <laughs> there's no way we could lose we this can't. guy. Uh-uh. He's a franchise guy as far I think he's up there with the next win. I mean, that's how I look at this kid. The thing is, with people sometimes, because I, mean, I watch ESPN every day, my wife hates me for it, but like San Diego, they say, oh, they have, you know, the fans don't show up or they're at the beach. or No, our fans show up, put a good team on the we field. We just want a product that Did we can you, cheer for. Yeah, 98, Paul Collins sold out every single game, and that was like 62,000 people. Remember that? I mean, I was like, 
I was in the training room because I was friends with the trainer and I would come down and, and be down there with them. And the the vibration of like that stadium, it was, it was crazy. There I thought was it was going to cave like in. like it. No. There was nothing like it. And that was such a special time in San Diego. And I feel like we deserve to have it back. And it, it will come back. The people will show up. That's you know? how I like, feel. People are getting excited. Hunter Renfro's on fire. Yes. You know, and then we got these prospects like Mackenzie Gore, who's... I mean, I, I've heard from a scout that I read on ESPN that said a scout that scouted Ker- Clayton Kershaw said that Mackenzie Gore is better than Clayton was at that age. Come on. The, I think he's in Arizona. He was an Arizona Diamondback scout. Who's no Kershaw. way. Anything can happen. I mean, you know, but. Between right, now and then. But there's a lot to look forward to. You know oh, what I mean? Cool. Well. I look forward to continuing this conversation another time. I really appreciate you coming through, man. Oh, Chris, man, I'm, I'm honored to be here. Shut You're up. a legend of San Shut Diego. Up. <laughs> Shut up, dude. There's so many things I want to talk to you about, but we'll call it here. Taylor Knox, uh, where do we find you online? And uh, is there anything you want to promote or let people know about other than your awesomeness? Um, you know, the, the meditation is called the Keeley Meditation. Okay. And, um, you know, we it's being taught at UCSD Medical School. And I it's go down. Keeley? Yeah, K-E-L-E-E. Okay. Yep. And um, stay classy, San Diego. <laughs> <laughs> we can end there. Yeah. Oh, that was too cool. Loved hanging with uh, the great Taylor Knox, local legend here in San Diego. Uh, Cantori, and uh, be sure to subscribe to Talking Story up in Apple Podcasts. We've got some great episodes uh, in the pipeline for you. Our next one coming live from Comic-Con, which is going to be insane. Otherwise, be sure to support, support our other sponsors, including Baja Bound, Mexican Auto Insurance. If you're planning a trip to Baja, I can guarantee you Taylor Knox uses Baja Bound. And if he doesn't, We're going to make sure he's part of the Baja Bound family. You hear that, Jeff? And uh, you can check out Baja Bound online at BajaBound.com. Also want to thank my friends at Two Roots Brewing Company. Two Roots Brewing, a new brewery here in San Diego. They've got a tasting room in OB and products available at the aforementioned beginning of the podcast, MarchandAsh.com. How about that? Wink, wink. And I also want to thank all the patrons on the Patreon. You know who you are. I'm sending out some pins. So if you've requested a pin, a U-pin, it's in the mail, even though it's not, but it will be soon. We're going to have new products in the U-store. And be sure to follow all our socials, YEW online. All right, until next time, thanks to Taylor for hanging. Looking forward to our next chat. You know what's happening. Be well. Much aloha. You.